You're listening to A Culture Story on the audio version of the TIE. Thanks for listening. The TIE is a nonprofit newsroom that is funded by our audience. So, if you appreciate this article and you'd like to help us do more, head on over to support.thetie.ca and become a TIE builder. You choose the amount to give, and you can cancel at any time. Why We Can't Take Clean, Safe Water for Granted By Crawford Killian, February 6, 2024 Water always wins, thriving in an age of drought and deluge. Erica Geese. University of Chicago Press, 2022. We still like to think of BC as a rainforest, with more water than we know what to do with. But we've seen recurring droughts, and last summers affected the whole province. The village of McBride has been drought-stricken since last summer, with barely enough drinking water. In January, much of BC was in drought conditions ranging from moderate to severe to extreme. By spring, we may be seeing the kind of hot, dry weather that southern South America experienced in the austral spring from October to December, and then the hotter, drier summer that Chile and Argentina are now sweltering under. Environmental journalist Erica Geese, in her book Water Always Wins, gives us good advice on how to cope with a rapidly changing climate. She takes us on a world tour to meet water detectives, people who work to find, preserve and increase local water supplies. Critical to those supplies is what geese call slow water. We usually want water in a hurry for crops and industry, and then we get rid of it in a hurry. We build a lot of gray infrastructure, dams, irrigation systems, levees, to put water where we want it, when we want it. But gray infrastructure is surprisingly short-lived. Dams trap silt that could have fertilized downstream fields, and drought can reduce the electrical power that dams generate. Irrigation systems suck groundwater out of aquifers faster than it can be replaced. Levees can control flooding, for a while, but constricting a river makes it run faster and deeper. Geese quotes an old water people joke, there are two kinds of levees, those that have failed, and those that are going to fail. Primitive is better. Gray infrastructure is a very modern attempt at water management, and Geese shows us many different primitive systems that did it better before and can do so again. She describes Chennai, a sprawling city of 11 million in southeast India that has overrun the wetlands that once made the region a slow water sponge. Now the city swings between drought and flood, and is looking for a solution in the past preserving the remaining wetlands and expanding them by rebuilding Eris, the Tamil word for tanks, linked ponds that once extended from the eastern Ghats to the Bay of Bengal. British engineers in the 19th century, Geese writes, were gobsmacked by the scale of the Eris system, reportedly more than 53,000 bodies of water across southern India, and the deep knowledge of topology and hydrology required to build it. But the British Raj replaced the system with its own, filling in some heiress and allowing others to fill on their own with silt that farmers had once used in nearby fields. The process continued after India gained its independence in the 1940s. The predictable result was a dropping water table, water shortages, and floods. Geese describes how ancient temples all had their own heiress. Now those temple tanks are being restored, allowing local water storage that can seep down and recharge groundwater. It's a patchwork process, communities working together to improve and maintain their local water supplies. It can't support all the city's needs, but it will help, 
and so will protection of water bodies and wetlands all across Chennai. Chennai is not alone in involving local communities. Geese describes comparable systems in Peru and Kenya, where local villages in the highlands conserve water for their own use and ensure that plenty will run, slowly, downstream to serve lowland farms and cities. Sponge cities soak up floods. Meanwhile, a landscape architect in China, Yu Kongjian, has developed a sponge city initiative, a series of projects designed both to help prevent flooding and to infiltrate water underground for the dry season. The goal is for 20% of cities with populations of more than 1 million people to capture 70% of rain on site by 2020. The new target is for 80% of such cities, of which China has 125, to meet the goal by 2030. That goal may go unmet as grey technology projects continue to demand resources, but the sponge city concept has been proven feasible. Other cities from Dhaka to Montreal are looking seriously at it. Leave it to beavers. The water detectives also include beavers. Geese tells us that North America once had a beaver population of as many as 400 million. As nature's original slow water engineers, she writes, beavers shaped North America with their dams, creating a much wetter continent than the one we know today. The fur trade, especially the Hudson's Bay Company, reduced the beaver population to perhaps 100,000. The North American landscape became a drier, less ecologically diverse place. Now beavers are coming to the rescue. In the United States, ranchers are bringing beavers back to ensure water supplies for their cattle. In Europe, gorilla beavers have been established by local residents who want flood control in wet weather and accessible water in droughts. The beavers provide both. But beavers aren't always the answer. A recent article in The Guardian describes how beavers are following the warming climate into both northern Alaska and northern Canada, building dams out of shrubs instead of trees. The resulting ponds are melting the permafrost and releasing methane, a powerful greenhouse gas. On learning to trust communities more Apart from showing many examples of effective water management on both local and national levels, Gisa's book gives us a new way to look at water, especially the water we can't see. For example, rivers have hyperreic, under the flow, components, below and to both sides of the stream bed, where water moves much more slowly than on the surface. Every city has ghost streams that have been paved over or channeled into culverts, they could come back, making cities greener and spongier. Thousands of years ago, melting Ice Age glaciers of California's Sierra Nevada created deep, narrow Paleo valleys, long since filled in, but still carrying water. BC likely has similar buried valleys, and they could help us both drain flood water and store the water from our dying glaciers. BC has its own water management policies, which still rely heavily on grey infrastructure like Site C and other dams, and the use of water in fracking is self-defeating. Alberta is just starting discussions on water sharing as its drought continues. Canadians in general need to stop taking it for granted that clean, safe water will always come out of their taps, and to understand its complex sources. They need to trust the grey infrastructure engineers less, and local communities more. That's especially true when the communities are indigenous. As with the Tamils and Peruvians and Kenyans, 
our indigenous peoples should be very much involved in future water management. They and the beavers did a pretty good job of it for tens of thousands of years. Thanks for stopping by the Taiyi today. Anytime you're in the mood to listen to important stories written well, we'll be here. And if you'd like to keep independent media going strong, head over to the Taiyi.ca and click on the Support Us button to pitch in. Finally, big, big thank you to all of our Taiyi builders who made this story possible.